Good evening, y'all. Today we enter into the holiest week of the year, Holy Week, the Sacred Triduum. Today begins Holy Thursday and begins with a strange way of kicking things off. See, in today's readings, it's the very, very beginning of the Last Supper for Jesus. That he goes up to the upper room with his apostles and he begins to go through the Passover meal with them. So before he gets to that, they're in the upper room and he begins to wash their feet. Such a weird expression, right? You ever go to somebody's house and they say, oh, before we begin dinner tonight, how about I wash your feet for you? We don't do that. What is Jesus trying to tell his apostles? That your feet stink? <laughs> I mean, they walk around Galilee all day, right? Your feet smell, I've got to wash them for you. It seems like a weird etiquette that he's trying to put across at just the outside. I mean, why didn't he say, using another expression, why didn't he say, you know, uh, let me just brush your teeth for you, you know? It's because it's not an etiquette. Jesus isn't trying to give them any other message of stinky feet or nasty teeth. He's washing their feet because it's a sign of service. Real simple. It's how he wants to serve. It's how he wants to be known. Right? To wash someone else's feet is a very humbling experience, isn't it? And so Jesus is doing this. But it's not received well by St. Peter. Right? Jesus is washing everybody's feet. And he gets to Peter. And Peter's like, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And he's like, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you're not going to have an inheritance with me. And then Peter makes a weird response. Oh, okay, well, good. Not only my feet, but my head and my hands as well. Like, wash everything because I want everything from you. I want your inheritance. Wash me clean, Lord. You see, to wash someone's feet, that was the job of a slave in the old days. That's what the slaves did for you. Because you had a rough day at work. And so whenever you would come in, your wife didn't want you dragging in your stinky boots or your, your stinky sandals. And you had to wash your feet at the entrance of the door before you walked into the house. It's an incredible, incredible gift. So Jesus is saying to them right here, why does he do it? He says, do you realize what I've done for you? It's a wonderful question. Wonderful question for us to pray with during this holy triduum. That's Jesus asking me and you, do you realize what I've done for you? How do we answer that question to Jesus? The ways that he's revealed himself to us, protected us, brought us through tough times. Do you realize what I've done for you? He says, you call me teacher and master and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you a model to follow. What I have done, so that as I have done for you, so also you should do. So Jesus is showing us an example, giving us a model, he says, that what he's done for us, for them, so do they have to do for everybody else. Right? It's, it's blanketed in Scripture. Does Jesus really want us to go around and wash everybody's feet every time we're around each other? No. 
Underneath it, he says, some of you aren't clean. Even though their feet were clean, their hearts weren't clean. Somebody's heart wasn't clean. And that somebody was Judas. So Jesus wants to cleanse our hearts. He wants us to realize that at the, at the basis of everything that he has called us to, what he's come to do is to serve us, to give his life for us. And he expects us to do the same. Now what happens after the washing of the feet, which we're going to do tonight, we're going to reenact that in a very real way. <clears throat> but what happens after the washing of the feet is a little bit different. Judas betrays him, he leaves. And then he tells them, I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. And then Peter's denial is foretold. He says, Lord, I will never... I will never deny you. I will die with you. He says, Peter, before the cock crows tonight, you would deny me three times. And then Jesus enters into the Last Supper. And he takes the bread and the, the wine and he pronounces those sacred words, this is my body given up for you. This is the cup of the chalice of my blood given up for you. Right? Those sacred words of institution that we hear St. Paul speak about in the second reading, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We hear St. Paul, now he wasn't one of the twelve, was he? But he had received the same commissioning somehow. We don't have time to get into that. But Paul is telling them, what did the early Christians' worship look like? Right? We have a lot of people that worship a whole lot of different ways. What did the early Christian church look like whenever they would worship? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. He says, for... I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was handed over, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, whenever Jesus spoke those words to the twelve apostles in the upper room on Holy Thursday night, that was when he ordained them priests. It was a command, do this. Not if you feel like it, or just do it once a week. Do it. He ordains them to be priests. What is the, what is, why? What is the, the, the reason for the priesthood? It's to give you the Eucharist, right? That's the reason. A whole lot of other reasons, but that's one of the main things. No priest, no Eucharist, Right? We can have administrators for parishes, and that's all wonderful, and that's all good. But I wasn't ordained to be an administrator. I was ordained to be able to give you the Eucharist, to be able to give you the anointing of the sick, and to hear your confessions and absolve you of your sins. You see, whenever a priest acts, he acts in the person of Christ. That's what he's doing. Notice whenever I consecrate the Eucharist, I don't say, this is Jesus' body. I say, this is my body. I'm in the person of Jesus at that moment. But those words, this is my body, I would submit to you tonight that that should be the mantra of every Christian. This is my body given up for you. It's what it means to be a Christian. Why? Because it's the heart of service. We deny ourselves our own 
our own conveniences and our own comforts to serve other people. Scripture says in John chapter 13, look at how they love one another. It's wrapped all up in love. You see, we have to give of ourselves in order to follow Jesus. And we do it in every way, in every walk of life. This is my body given up for you. You know, I think we could hear the Blessed Mother say that. Whenever the angel came to her, will you bear the Son of God? She says, be it done unto me according to your word. She could have also said these words. This is my body given up for you so that God himself can take flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones and he will become the God-man. This is my body, Mary could say, given up for you. The apostles said it. They were having a joyful time, most of them. Fishermen, tax collectors, doing their thing, doing what all the other guys in Galilee did. But Jesus said, come and follow me. Pick up your cross. Follow me. And they had to say the same thing. This is my body given up for you. I will follow you, Jesus, wherever you go, regardless of how difficult it gets in my body. And ultimately, Peter crucified upside down. This is my body given up for you. Paul beheaded. This is my body given up for you. Every martyr that ever shed his blood for the sake of the gospel can say those words. This is my body given up for you, Lord God. Every person who's single, living a consecrated life, they could choose to be married, sure. But they've chosen to say, Lord, this is my body. You've given it to me as a gift and I will return this gift to you and remain in the single state or consecrated life. You do it as parents. The married vocation. A husband and a wife, they constantly say that. This is my body given for you. Whenever a husband chooses to go play little baseball with his son or go to his daughter's ballerina recital, Instead of going fishing or hunting, that's what he wants to do. But he says, this is my body given up for you to be sacrificed. A mother in the most perfect way does it in childbearing, right? I'll never, ever, ever forget as a seminarian, I heard a woman give a testimony. And she was speaking about whenever she gave birth to her, one of her children, and it was a very, very complicated birth. And they had to do an Im immediate C-section because the baby's health was in danger. And she said, all I remember, she said, I remember lying on the table. And she said, I, was a, I looked down and she said, I was a bloody mess. She said, there's blood everywhere. She said, and I remember saying to my little baby, this is my body given up for you. What an unbelievable gift. The priesthood, it's the same way. A lot of people look to a priest and say, why do you want to go be a priest? You could do a whole lot of other things. Well, yeah, we can. We're given a free will. I could have done anything I wanted to do. And I did for a long time. Just wasn't very happy. 
I ran from the priesthood. I knew since I was 15 years old, and I ran from it till I was 33. The age of Jesus, crucified, is when I entered the seminary. And boy, did they crucify me. Woo! <laughs> but the priesthood, that's what it's about. You see, I didn't choose to be a priest. I said yes to a call that God invited me into. He knew that I was made to do this. He knew that I was made to say, this is my body, Lord, given up for you. I could have done a lot of other things with this body, but I've chosen by the grace of God to say, this is my body, Lord. You've given it to me. It's a gift, and I return that gift. Right? Every time the priest stands right here behind the sacred altar and offers up the Holy Eucharist, constant this is my body given up for you and that sacrifice is given like Jesus a sacrifice and he begins to feed his people through the sacrifice of the priest yes in the Holy Eucharist absolutely but a priest is not just an administrator or a celibate social worker a priest, what it simply means is he's sacrificial in nature. Why? Because Jesus was. Jesus was sacrificial. His love was sacrificial. His love didn't know boundaries. It didn't know favorites. His love was simply unexhaustible. And he poured it out over and over and over. And Scripture says he was really tired one day. And all of a sudden people started showing up. And he said his heart was moved with compassion for the people. He didn't say, i got to go take a nap. He gave, and he gave, and he gave. That's the nature of the priesthood. It's sacrificial. It also is seen in the way that priests do penance. Nobody likes to do penance, do you? No. But a priest does penance not for himself so much, but he does penance for those that he loves, for his, for his flock. Right? That's what the priest does penance for. And after a priest hears confessions, did you know that he has to go into the chapel and he's got to offer up penance for everyone that went to confession? <laughs> it's incredible. It's awesome. Why? Well, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus took his sins of the world upon himself and he offered them to the Father. And that's what the priest does. He takes the sins upon the people upon his own priestly heart. And he offers you to the Father. That's what we do. It's what we're made for. It's what we're born to do. And it's what we will die doing. A priest does not live for his own. A priest lives to be given, to be sacrificed, to give his life so that others may live. That's why the priest does what he does. And that's what we celebrate tonight. On this holy night, Jesus gives us the priesthood as a wonderful gift because it's the very life of Christ living in and through the people every day. And he gives us the Holy Eucharist, without which we will have no life. Padre Pio says the world would exist longer without the Son than without the Holy Eucharist. Jesus says it himself in John 6. 
unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He's not talking symbolically, y'all. He's speaking literal. We have to. We have to. He gives us life for eternity. And so this is what we get to celebrate tonight with joy, right? Christ is about to be betrayed. He's about to be crucified. But before he does that, he wants to remain with us until the end of time. And how does he do that? Through the Eucharist and through the priesthood. You can't separate the two. You can't separate the two. You want to kill a priest? Tell him he can't celebrate Mass anymore. You kill him. The two go hand in hand. So we come to celebrate this night tonight. And it starts off with service. Washing of the apostles' feet. Because Christ came to serve us. He's come to love us. He's come to draw us to the Father. But He says, first, I'm going to be the example. I'm going to show you what it means to serve, and then you follow me. And so that's what we get to celebrate tonight, on this holy night. Jesus serves. Jesus institutes the priesthood. And granted, guys, He didn't institute the priesthood to a bunch of perfect men who deserved the priesthood. He knew, and He foretold, Peter, you're going to deny me, but I'm still going to ordain you a priest. James, you're going to run away, I'm still going to ordain you a priest. Every one of them run away at the passion and the cross of Jesus. But He still ordains them priests. You see, we're not perfect men. We're not. But God has chosen to share His priesthood with us. For your sake. For the sake of the church. For the sake of the people. So that you can continue to receive the Eucharist over and over again and over and over again until the day that you die, and hopefully a priest will be by your bed to escort you into heaven. So it's a wonderful gift. Tonight, I want you all to pray for every priest that has ever touched your heart, that has ever been a part of your life, and thank God for him. Ask him to give him strength. But I also want you to pray for every priest that may have hurt you, if you've been offended by a priest, great or small, pray for that priest. Because Jesus did. And Jesus does. Jesus still ordained them priests, though they did not deserve it. So pray for every priest that you know. Whether they've been good to you, or whether they've hurt you in some way. Forgive. That's what we're called to, to love. Look at how they love one another. That's what we're called to do. So pray for your priest so that they can be the priest that you need, right? So they can give you Jesus in all the ways that you're going to need Him throughout your entire life. We need your prayers, desperately. We need your prayers.